The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. If you're a woman entrepreneur, a hope to be one soon, you are in the fastest growing U.S. business owner segment. What lessons can you learn from women-owned businesses that had soared or perhaps hiccuped in 2015? And perhaps more important, what business opportunities and pitfalls can you expect in the year ahead in 2016? We have answers for you today here on Coffee Break with Game Changers. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Stay tuned. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you're in the right place. Yes, we changed up the opening a little bit. Thought it'd be fun to speak before the roll-in. So I want to tell you the buzz today is get smart. No, I'm not talking about Maxwell Smart. I'm talking about maybe her name is Maxie Smart. Here we go. We have a panel today for you that is packed with women entrepreneurs. They are business and industry movers and shakers. They're business leaders. They're collaborators. They're coaches and mentors. I dare say they are instigators and definitely first-hand observers in the trenches, seeing what's happening and unfolding in the world of entrepreneurship for women specifically. What are they going to do today? They're going to share their lessons from businesses, as I said in the opening, that soared and succeeded or uh, hiccuped or maybe even close their doors, who knows, in 2015, they're also going to look deep into the crystal ball to predict and enlighten us on what business opportunities and pitfalls you can expect in 2016. Now, I have a disclaimer. This show today is not just for women. Men, guys, wherever you are, we know you have an entrepreneurial spirit. We know you're part of the business world. We know you care about what's happening on the landscape. So stay tuned. You're going to learn a lot. You might even get some business ideas in the process. Let me just give you a quick peek on who my panelists are today. We're going to be welcoming in a moment Jane Westman, a returning guest, president of Jane Westman Public Relations, Inc., and one of the U.S.'s foremost experts on book publicity and marketing. She's going to be joined by Linda A. Hamilton, CPA, who owns an accounting firm that works with domestic and international businesses, nonprofits, and high net worth individuals. She serves on the Women Presidents Organization and Enterprising Women Magazine advisory boards and a lot, so many, so many organizations. I don't know how she finds time to sleep. Also going to be joined by Deanna Corey with the Corcoran Group. She has been named one of the top women in New York real estate by Tri-State Weekly and many other accolades. And rounding out the panel, Sandy Webster, another returning guest. She is a principal at Consultants to Go LLC and one of my main movers and shakers here, welcoming Sandy back as well as Jane. So let me get started with their 
opening quotes, Jane Westman sent me the following quote from Guy Kawasaki. Shaking your head, well, Guy Kawasaki is a Silicon Valley marketing executive. He was one of the Apple employees originally responsible for marketing the Macintosh computer line back in when? 1984. He's written books including The Art of Social Media in 2014 and Database 101 in 1991. Here's the quote. Ideas are easy. Implementation is hard. Jane Westman, Happy New Year. How are you? I'm great. Happy New Year, Bonnie. Thank you for joining me. Tell me, how did you come to pick a Guy Kawasaki quote? This is a new one for you. <laughs> I know. Usually I like, I like to give you my own quotes. Um, because I, I think that what he has to say here is, is very important in, in two ways. One of the things I, I uh, recognized in mentoring women entrepreneurs is that often they have so many ideas that they don't implement any of them. And so one of uh, my pieces of advice is to really choose the, the best ideas or the best business that you want to launch and, and then implement it and stick to it the, the entire way through. The other way this applies is uh, their ideas are easy, and so don't hold back in giving people your ideas. And this is particularly uh, important in sales and in customer service. Don't feel that you're giving away uh, something for free when you are helpful and you give people your ideas. The hard part will always be to implement them. So if people like your ideas and then want you to implement them, that's great for business. Thank you, Jane. Words of wisdom, definitely a great start to our conversation. Thank you very much. And let me turn to our second guest, Linda A. Hamilton, CPA. And Linda has sent me a quote from Andy Grove. Andy Grove, by the way, is almost 80 years old. He's a Hungarian-born American businessman, engineer, author, science pioneer in the semiconductor industry. If his name sounds familiar, after escaping from communist-controlled Hungary at age 20 and moving to the U.S., he became the CEO of Intel. Uh-huh, uh-huh, and helped transform the company into the world's largest manufacturer of semiconductors. And you might also like to know, talking about business collaborators, Grove has been called the guy who drove the growth phase of Silicon Valley. And guess who called Andy Grove when he was considering coming back to be Apple's CEO? You got it, Steve Jobs. Uh, he called Andy Grove for personal advice. I rest my case. Here's the quote. My day should end when I am tired, not when I am done. I am never done. There's always more to be done, more that should be done, always more that can be done. Linda A. Hamilton, CPA, welcome to the show. How are you, Linda? I'm great. Thank you, and uh, thanks for having me. Delighted to have you join us, and thank you to Sandy Webster for introducing us. Linda, talk to me. Interesting quote from Andy Grove. Are you a big fan of his, and how does this apply to our topic today? Well, I think this this just struck me, perhaps because it's uh, January and tax season is here. And uh, you know, if you know any accountants, we, we we live in our offices and spend all our time reading and studying thirty thousand plus pages of tax law. So I think if anyone needs to go home, it's us. Um, so it really resonated with me. But it is advice on a serious note that I wish I'd had given my younger self. I mean, the the end of the quote. There's definitely always more that can be done, should be done, can, you know, you want to do. Business owners in general have endless to-do lists. And give yourself permission to go home. 
that you tomorrow is another day. You'll have more energy for your business. You'll have more energy to grow your business. So I just think that's fantastic advice for any business owner. It is. And, Linda, the optimism and the implication in what you just said, tomorrow's another day, you can always do more tomorrow, means you have to think about you will still be in business tomorrow. You'll find a way. So I like that a lot. Thank you so much, Linda Hamilton. Pleasure to have you on. Let's turn to our third panelist. She is Deanna Corey. I'm going to spell her name a little unusual in case you want to look her up. D-E-A-N-N-A, Deanna. And Corey is K-O-R-Y. As I mentioned, she's with the Corcoran Group. And Deanna sent me a quote from Henry J. Hunt. Let me read a little trivia here on Mr. Hines. Uh, J stood for John, Henry John Hines, uh, 1844 to 1919. He was the American businessman who founded the H.J. Hines Company. Those of you who are Pittsburgh Steelers fans, the NFL team, Hines Field is named in honor of H.J. Hines. Uh, Very interesting. Uh, He started to pack foodstuffs on a very small scale in Sharpsburg, Pennsylvania, back in 1869 and founded Hines Noble & Company with a friend, Clarence Noble, and they started making horseradish. So there. The company went bankrupt in 1875. So there. And the following year, he started another company. Talk about coming back the next day, Linda. F&J Hines with his brother John and cousin Frederick. One of their first products was, no surprise, tomato ketchup. In 1888, Hines bought out his partners and reorganized the company as H.J. Hines. The slogan, 57 Varieties. Well, the company was already selling 60 different products. The the reason for 57 is 5 was his lucky number, and here's the interesting part. 7 was his wife's lucky number. So somewhere in there we had a female influence. The quote is, to do a common thing uncommonly well brings success. Deanna Corey, welcome. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Bonnie, and thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. Hope you didn't mind my little riff on H.J. Hines, but I thought it was a fascinating story. Talk about getting up and dusting yourself off and making more ketchup tomorrow. So, Deanna, tell me, are you a big fan of him, or or was the quote just what grabbed you? The quote was what grabbed me. I think that um, what I I pride myself in doing, and I think is a very important thing in this day and age, is to do what other people see. Many entrepreneurial ventures and so forth are being done by other people. But if you go with uh, the attitude of doing something extremely well and going sort of above and beyond, and I would say uncommonly well, then I think your uh, ability or your potential for having success increases dramatically. I, I pride myself personally on that, and so this quote really struck me. Thank you very much. And, and Deanna, let me just uh, reference you with the Corcoran Group. Is Am I right? That was the group that Barbara Corcoran yes, started? Yes, I have my own team, and I think that's why I'm. Um, it's, it's the Deanna Corey team within the group. With um, I employ about um, 15 different people. And so I do have a small business within the rather large business of the Corcoran Group. Very, very interesting. And, uh, you know, in real estate, it's a building. Somebody wants it. They don't. You try to sell it. Can you give us a quick definition of what doing something common, uncommonly well is in terms of real estate? Well, in terms of real estate, you might um, talk about doing sales. And um, in my case, we we sell residential properties. And um, there are many, many, many agents who do it. But those who really provide superb customer service, have a deep and a very um, 
wide uh, knowledge base and can provide people with the information they need so that the process is as smooth as possible and they can anticipate issues and so forth, that can um, that puts them above the rest of the agents. So you can see, you go into any business, whether it be real estate or any entrepreneurial business, and you see other people doing it and say, well, how can I distinguish myself? Well, one way, which seems obvious perhaps, but isn't always, is to really become such an expert and, I believe, do something uncommonly well. Do it beyond uh, people's expectations. And that way you get noticed. And that way, you know, if you capitalize on it, you can grow the business. That's it. Thank you very much for that tip. Appreciate it. And lovely to meet you, Deanna Corey. And last but not least, we're bringing on, thank you, Sandy Webster, a principal at Consultants to Go LLC. Sandy sent me a quote, very interesting quote from the actor Kevin Spacey. And let me just do a little background here. He's now only 56 years old, but what an accomplished gentleman he is, American actor, film director, producer. And I didn't know he was a comedian. He started his career as a stage actor in the 80s, and then he started getting supporting roles in film and TV. If you're scratching your head, Kevin Spacey, well, he got his first Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for the neo-noir crime thriller The Usual Suspects back in 95 and an Academy Award for Best Actor for American Beauty in 99 when he played a midlife crisis in the midlife crisis themed drama. He has starred in seven in the crime film L.A. Confidential, the drama Pay It Forward, science fiction mystery film K-Pax, and the role of Lex Luthor in the superhero film Superman Returns in 2006. And he was on TV in Netflix political drama, The House of Cards. And I'm going to stop there. Here's the quote from Kevin Spacey. And the first time Kevin Spacey's been on our show, he says, sometimes it only takes someone saying just the right thing at just the right moment to change a person's life forever. Amen. Sandy Webster, welcome back. Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year to you, too. Thank you. And I have to thank you for introducing us to Linda Hamilton and Deanna Corey. Very, very pleased at that connection, Sandy. You're always doing the right thing in terms of networking, and we appreciate it. So tell me, are you a big fan of Kevin Spacey as a speaker, as a quotable person, as an actor? Talk to me. I am a big fan of Kevin Spacey from the masterclass that he recently did online. And this quote, I was having such a disappointing day, and his quote came at the right time for me, and I think it's so true that sometimes you're having something not going well, or sometimes you have something going well, because the reverse of this is also true. Someone could say the wrong thing to you at the wrong mm-hmm. time, and it will change your life forever. And Kevin's quote came in when I was at the point where I, you know, I should be used to losing a sale, and it was very disappointing that I lost the sale. And I was speaking to someone, and they said, Sandy, but think about it. If you lost that sale, what are the things that you could do now that you didn't get that sale? You, you could do something even better. And I just said, gee whiz, you know, that is so true. As a matter of fact, let me go start thinking of all the things that I put aside because I thought I was going to get that sale. But it was just the right thing to say to me and the right attitude to say it with and I really really appreciate that and I'll think about that for quite a while so I thank Kevin for saying that quote (laughs) literally when I needed it when someone said it to me 
That's wonderful. It's it's sometimes those little bon mots, those words of wisdom that that are circulated. Sandy, they're just networked and recirculated around and around. And when they come to you at the right time, they mean a lot. Thank you so much for sharing that. And now it's time for our little coffee break, words of wisdom from our guests. I'd love to know what are you each drinking right now or what do you plan to drink after the show or later tonight? Let's start with Jane Westman. Jane, where are you right now and what are you drinking or thinking about? Uh, I'm in my office right now, uh, as opposed York. to the the many times we've done this interview and I've been home. But I'm mm-hmm. in my office, and I uh, was lucky. I played tennis this morning, so I came straight to the office from the tennis club. Therefore, I'm drinking water because I need to hydrate. And is there any special kind of water? Is this ta- New York City tap, or does it come it, from a bottle no, with a label? It's special water from the water cooler that gets filled up. Uh, in our office. I, I don't even know what brand it is. So it's okay. spring water. Spring water, water cooler, spring water. Thank you very much, Jane. And you're in New York, as I am, and it's burr cold out today. I think it's about 26 degrees right now. So uh, we're going to keep everybody warm with I our coffee break. It's nice and it? brisk and ener- energizing. That's what I think. <laughs> That's your point of view. Thank you, Jane. <laughs> I've got a little heat on here in my office. Linda Hamilton, where are you calling from and what are you drinking? Well, I'm calling from my home office today, and I am drinking one of my favorites from David's Tea. I'm drinking a ceremonial matcha green tea. Now, ceremonial, that's a new word to me. What does that mean in terms of the tea? Well, that is the name of it. There are three uh, different types of ceremonial uh, of matcha green tea, which is kind mm-hmm. of like a powder. It's ground. Um, the ceremonial matcha is, is their, I guess, highest blend. And it's, it's pretty smooth and maybe a little bittersweet. And I like to put it over a little ice and um, froth it in my blender. And um, mm. some people like the ritual of frothing it with a little bamboo uh, whisk. Sounds fun. Are, are you in New York as well as Jane and I are? Yes, I am in New York. And there's a okay. David here on right right nearby. And if you walk in there, it smells heavenly. Wonderful. It's always good to have a walk into a place that smells heavenly. Thank you, Linda. Deanna Corey, I, I'm assuming you're yes. in New York too. And tell me what I'm you're drinking. I'm in New York. Yes, okay. I'm in New York in my office. And I am drinking... Uh, double espresso with a little bit of water and half and half. <laughs> and uh, a lot of people might wonder why I do that. I um, Sometimes when I go to order that drink at, uh, say, Starbucks or another coffee place, they say, do you want an Americano? And I say, no, I want a double espresso because I like it rich and strong. Mm-hmm. And then I like just the right amount of hot water. And then I have to have my half and half or cream which is very rich also. Um, so it's a bold drink with this rich, creamy cream, and I just love it. And um, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel energized. Um, it's one of my favorites in the morning. Thank you for sharing that. Appreciate it. And Sandy Webster, are you in New York too today? No, I'm in my oh. office in New York, New Jersey today. We'll wave to you across the bridge. Okay. Yes. And what's in your cup today, Sandy Webster? I'm drinking Burger King's hot chocolate, <laughs> and that's because they taste so much better than McDonald's hot chocolate. McDonald's has like that dirty, muddy water, <laughs> dirty water taste, 
I'm I'm very familiar with drinking dirty water, right? But if that's what I hate it so much that I I will drive anywhere to find a Burger King if a Starbucks is not around. And I really actually like it better than Starbucks. Very rich and creamy and and delicious. Very similar to to Dunkin' Donuts. going to have to try that. Nobody has ever recommended anything from Burger King on this show in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of shows. So we're going to have to take that as a recommendation. Thank you very much, Sandy Webster. Good luck to you. I, I'm going to go get one later today if I have a chance. There's a Burger King sure. not too far from me here on Long Island. I appreciate that. And by the way, as Sandy and Jane know, I usually am relegated to drinking just water. They don't let me have caffeinated beverages on radio show days. But the little secret is about uh, 20 feet away from me is a brand new red Nespresso Virtue line with an Arochino frother that was a gift from my daughter and her husband to me for Hanukkah and I am enjoying many cups of calf half calf and decaf all varieties I'm working my way through the hundred gift pack of capsules they sent me and I'm doing my best to get through with all of them so I can go out to the Nespresso boutique in Roosevelt Field and buy another hundred pack for the next month so there but definitely not on radio show days you are listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers this is episode number 213 for keeping track our second show of 2016 and we are revisiting the topic one of our favorites actually success secrets for entrepreneurial women this is part three with jane westman and sandy webster and they have brought along for the ride linda a hamilton cpa and deanna corey we're having a really good time and we're going to come back from the break in just about 90 seconds and we're going to look back at how women-owned businesses and women entrepreneurs in general, whether they're owning or they're coaching or they're thinking about a business wherever they are in the business cycle, uh, looking back on 2015, success stories, bumps in the road, and then some predictions for what's coming ahead for women entrepreneurs, men, of course, you can listen to in 2016. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We'll be right back. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Justin out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. 
Welcome back. We're ready to start our roundtable in earnest, and we're going to do it a little differently today. I've asked my guests to talk about what we learned in terms of women in business in 2015. So we'll do that for the next few minutes, and I'm just going to go around the table and start off with Jane Westman. By the way, Jane is the author of Dive Right In, The Sharks Won't Bite, The Entrepreneurial Woman's Guide to Success. Great book, and she's celebrating an anniversary of that book. She'll tell us in just a second. But let me start off with uh, saying that Jane sent me the following notes about what we learned in 2015. She says, support systems for women entrepreneurs and small businesses grew and became more effective in 2015. Jane Westman, what's the book anniversary? Congratulations, and let's get started. Talk to me. Uh, thanks, Bonnie. So I wrote my book 20 years ago, and, and I think it's incredible um, what's been happening with women entrepreneurs. The, the growth uh, of women in the entrepreneurial space is phenomenal, and the, the growth of support systems for women has been incredible. And 2015 was, was for me, I think, a tipping point. We are, we are going to see great things coming from women entrepreneurs uh, in 2016 and moving forward. So, Jane, well, what, what are the biggest lessons of 2015? I, I talked in the opening about the successes and the soaring and the bumps or the hiccups. What do you think was one of the main hiccups we saw and any lessons to be learned um, and some of the references you sent me in your notes? Let's focus on 2015. And we can focus on a little politics if you want, talking about entrepreneurial women. Go ahead. You know, I don't really see hiccups in two, uh in 2015. Okay. I, I see a lot of progress. Now, you can look at this as a glass half full or a glass, you know, half empty if you want to, because it is true that there aren't as many women on boards of directors of major corporations as, there, as we would like. There aren't as many women who are CEOs of large companies. But in the space of women's entrepreneurship, uh, women are experiencing tremendous growth, and one of the reasons is technology. I think what, what we're seeing is that the cost of entry uh, into starting your own business has come down um, mm-hmm. b- because you can work with consultants. You don't need to have as many paid employees, which is, uh, of course, very costly. You don't need um, a, as big an office as as. I did in the past when I started my business um, in 1980. So I, I think that the cost of entry is coming down, and I think that also what I'm seeing is as baby boomer women uh, are leaving their corporate jobs, they're starting second careers, and they're taking the experience that, the, that they've gained over all these years, and they're applying it to starting new businesses. So I don't see hiccups, Bonnie. I see growth. Okay, Jane, and I want to mention also, you sent me in your notes, uh, you gave us an example of this growth. Ernst & Young, E&Y, have an entrepreneurial winning women initiative. Uh, we have the National Association of Women Business Owners. The Tory Birch Foundation has a new fellowship program, Women 2.0 Conference, Inc. Magazine's Women's Conferences, Goldman Sachs' Access to Capital for Women Entrepreneurs, Biz Journal's Exceptional Women's Awards. So we are seeing a lot of progress. That's very exciting, Jane. Would you, would you agree with that? 
It's it's fantastic. And some of these uh, organizations have been around for a while, but a lot of them are retooling. So as you know, uh, until a few months ago, I was president of the National Association of Women Business Owners here in New York City. And uh, the organization, which has been around for about 35 years, is is experienced tremendous growth right now, and is is really creating is creating new programs and new opportunities for women entrepreneurs across the country. So that that's just one example of an organization that's really stepping up to the plate to he, to help women. And uh, I would say the Tory Birch Foundation is doing a phenomenal job with uh, with new mentoring programs for women entrepreneurs. And Goldman Sachs is going out of its way to try to fund uh, women's startup businesses. And, and if you also look at what's happening in Silicon Valley, where you've where you've got a lot of um, venture capital, there are a lot of women stepping up to the to the plate as venture capitalists and trying to fund uh, uh, women-owned businesses. Thank you, Jane. I love the optimism and I love that spirit. Thank you very much. Coming from someone who has been in the trenches for so many years and you certainly know. And let's now turn to our newcomer, Linda A. Hamilton, CPA. Linda, uh, in your notes, I'm going to look here. You talk about lessons learned from 2015. Uh, would you like to start talking to us about cybersecurity and identity theft protection or some tax tips? What would you, where would you like to start? Linda, just enlighten us. Sure. Why don't I, why don't I just start with cybersecurity and identity mm-hmm. theft? Just building on what Jane just mentioned, yes, technology has really enabled women business owners and all business owners. Uh, it's lowered the, the entry barriers. Made us, made us able to do things that once only larger companies could do. But that brings challenges with it as well. And the lesson I, I really want to talk about, while they are somewhat fearful, they are intended to empower us, to intended that you know, we have knowledge as opposed to uh, not being aware of what's going on around us. So when you, when you talk about identity theft, really it's somebody uses a piece of your identifying information. And crooks are incredibly tech-savvy. We're all online. We're all on Facebook. We're all on Twitter. We're in all of these places. And a lot of our personal information is there, birth dates, um, family information, addresses. There's just so much there. And what ends up happening and, uh, is that those who want to do harm use this information uh, there is a story of um, Shalene Johnson, who's a, a fitness celebrity and social media strategist. And I first heard her story on a podcast um, with, with a security expert. She, her social media accounts were, were hacked, her Twitter, her Instagram, her Facebook, um, and her I- online identity itself was sold to the highest bidder. The attack mm. went on for over eight hours more than $200,000 of cost to her. They deleted uh, information. They posted horrific information in her accounts. And what she didn't realize is that as quickly as she was working with someone to change her security and her passwords, they actually had her information and were in her email. And they were calling Mm. the email companies and saying, oh, we're helping Ms. Shaleen with her, um, her security and we need to reset her password. And they, then they asked for a piece of, you know, your, those security codes we all pick, like mother's maiden name. And 
they were in. So as fast as she changed it, they changed it back. So I think we all have to take part in being careful to just be alert to what we're doing online. And, um, you know, one way is strong passwords enabling verification so that every time you want to log into something, maybe you get an alert on your cell phone. There are ways to get around it. And what's interesting, uh, Linda, what you're sharing is that it's so easy. We're all so vulnerable. And I, I guess talking about our topic of success secrets for women entrepreneurs, the higher up the food chain, if you'll pardon that old expression, the higher up the food chain you get, the more of a more attractive you are to hackers, the more uh, more they get, they have to gain potentially by hacking you and stealing your identity, the more resources your identity connects to that they would want. So the more your hackable profile gets raised. Would you agree with that, Linda? Well, actually, I, I might have agreed with that a, a number of years ago, but I, I mm-hmm. think that uh, if you think of a hacker, they're not necessarily, you might come to their attention because you have a a celebrity profile, but the truth is they often use, you know, technical ways to get at it. So you, it might just be because you're using password one, two, three. Um, so I think small businesses can't assume they are e- becoming easier targets. And hackers, you know, they don't necessarily get paid for what they do. So they're really just trying to show how brilliant they are and okay. really creating problems. So I think my, my, my advice is, to not assume that we're not vulnerable just because we're not high profile. Oh, okay. Thank you very much for clarifying. Appreciate it. If anything, the entrepreneurs may be the hackers in this case, and we'll just let it go with that. Thank you, Linda. Deanna Corey, let's talk about lessons learned from women-owned businesses that soared or stumbled in 2015. What would you like to share with us, Deanna? Well, I think that um, we always have known that you know marketing, and especially if you're in a consumer a business where you're dealing with the public is very, very important. And um, social media, I think in the last year, it's just come into more full bloom in terms of its potential, its impact and future potential impact um, for business, for especially women-owned businesses. It's, it's something that requires um, a bit of a plan. I mean, not a bit of a plan, a significant plan. Obviously, there are a lot of firms, including probably Jane's public relations firms, that deal with this. But I think for um, women entrepreneurs, it's especially important um, to be very mindful of the various Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Pinterest, depending on the business, Mm -hmm. and um, make an effort at doing something different and innovative and new to capture attention and to get the word out about your own particular business. This is especially appealing to the millennial and the younger generation that have grown up on this. Um, I'm not of that generation, so for me it takes a bit of doing to really put myself in that place. I have people in my company doing it for me, but it makes a difference in terms of having the word out about your company. Um, as well, it's important, and I think this is just becoming more and more apparent, to stay not, on, not only on top of the latest technology and using it in your business, but looking forward to what could be um, coming down the pike because technology, that's all anyone's speaking about, especially in my world, and I'm sure in a lot of businesses that are women-owned businesses. Um, you know, 
who's going to get there first, who's going to use it. Eventually, it becomes, certain things become mainstreams. For example, right now, I mean, in my business, we did a lot of video walkthroughs, and now they're doing, um, the Times has picked it up, the Wall Street Journal, this virtual reality, which still has not hit my business in a big way, but is perfect for a business like mine, where you want people walking through spaces. So we've been looking into it. We've been trying to be first in some of the technology. This is something that is very critical for a lot of businesses to be women-owned businesses in particular, where women may not be as interested and techy as men because that just wasn't their area of interest and expertise. But this is something that's very important, and I think that a lot of lessons in my case have been learned in terms of making sure to stay on top of the technology, using the social media to um, do more marketing and, and so forth. I think it's a very important thing to, that, that I've learned, and I'm sure a lot of people have learned in, um, you know, a lot over the last, I would say especially the last year in particular. Thank you, Deanna. Deanna, I have a little a personal note here. Do you remember back in the day when Carl Burr and Dottie Herman were Prudential Long Island Realty? Do you remember back oh, then? I don't remember that specifically, no, because that's your, that's your, we're so segmented in my um, okay. industry. Okay. Yes, I, so I was one of their marketing. I was one of their marketing directors, and and we oh, were, were doing really? uh, fine homes. I was placing the fine homes ad for Prudential in the New York Times every week for them. I was doing graphic oh, that's design, funny. and uh, yeah, and it, remarkable that we were we came up with a video company approached us to do a walkthrough of a house with the realtor greeting the family at the door and then doing a walkthrough of the house, and they started putting these uh, certainly not high tech at all, but that was I think the the opening the door literally and figuratively to videos of homes way back in the day. We're talking about before the new millennium. So just a little bit of history there. Thank you, Deanna. Good advice. Yeah, Sandy welcome. Webster. Yeah, Sandy Webster, let's turn to you. And I have to mention, since we mentioned Jane's book, Sandy co-authored Black and White Strike Gold, a book of 52 nuggets designed to help other small business owners grow their businesses to the million-dollar mark, and that was back in 2009. So you may be celebrating some anniversaries for your book, too, Sandy. Sandy, let's talk about lessons we learned from 2015. Any hiccups in businesses you want to talk about or, or just businesses that soared? Go ahead, Sandy. Well, I, I wouldn't say hiccups, but one of, one of the things I wanted to talk about was, you know, sometimes you have to fail in business in order to learn and use it as a test to win something else in business. And I'm sure a lot of companies went through some disappointments and failures, lost opportunities last year, but they can then turn around and use that this year. So I, I never think of anything, you know, I like the word hiccup because literally it's just a momentary stop and then you, you keep going. Mm -hmm. But some of the topics that everyone has talked about today regarding technology I think last year was one of the highest growing, uh, fastest growing years for staffing and consulting businesses, mainly because of technology. You know, outsourcing is no longer a dirty word to the staffing business and to the consulting business, where years ago women would not even consider outsourcing. And part of that is trying to keep jobs in the U.S., but you can outsource to jobs within the U.S. So I think that, I don't know if it's a, a tradition 
of keeping things here, but we want to think bigger and think more globally in order to get costs down. And getting the cost down is also uh, lowering the barriers to entry along with technology because last year it's still possible to grow your business. And I, I want to focus more on the, the growth businesses. I know a lot of people talked about starting businesses, but there are a lot of women who started their business and now are in growth mode. Mm-hmm. And I think that's equally as important to move your business from, let's say, the 50000 a year, which is pretty average for women business owners, to a million-dollar mark for women business owners. I think that's extremely significant. So you'll see a lot of new products and a lot of mergers and acquisitions going on. And I saw that last year as a fantastic year for women to even sell their businesses. Mm. So. 2015 held a lot of good things, and I think 2016 is coming along. One of the things the president talked about was health care, and, of course, health care hit all of us starting January 1, especially as small business owners. You're mandated to have some kind of health care, especially if you have 50 to 100 employees. And that's a huge cost for small businesses. So we're trying to do all these things for our employees to grow, but healthcare is something that has the potential to put some people, some smaller businesses out of business in, in 2016. And if you don't get healthcare, you're going to be absorbing penalties for that. So there are good things about having your business, and then there are the downsides that are government regulated that you have nothing to do with. But all in all, I thought 2015 was a fantastic year for for women and for millennials. We mentioned millennials as well. They're starting businesses at a phenomenal rate using technology. So I look forward to a lot more of that in 2016. Sandy, I'm so glad you mentioned millennials and that they're starting businesses. Uh, very, very interesting. I've, I've heard on some of our other shows in the past two years that they have a lot of discretionary income. I found that fascinating because they are one of our younger demographic cohorts. But any particular kinds of businesses you've observed, Sandy, of millennials starting in 2015? or Well, or a lot of it is before? online, Bonnie. The, mm-hmm. the technology is phenomenal, and they are starting social media businesses. They are bloggers. I've never seen this many bloggers in my life, and they're making money for it. They're associating themselves with magazines where they're talking about very, very uh, targeted and specific issues. I have my, my friend's daughter. She started doing her business at 15, and she does makeup for teenagers, and she's sponsored by some of the biggest you know, makeup companies in the world. And she does blogs. They pay her. She puts the makeup out there. She has a, a podcast where she shows how to apply makeup. And that's now segued into fashion and all the newest trends. And this is so smart of magazines to use and target millennials using their own. She's even younger than a millennial, actually. <laughs> But it's so smart of them to, to go right to the source because they will listen to them a lot more. And so I see a lot of those businesses that are, are starting up, and they're making money off of it. 
Wow, that's all. It sure beats the old uh, paper route when you were 13 or 14 with with mom driving you in the station wagon and the kid running ahead and tossing the papers with the rubber band around them on the front porch so Mr. or Mrs. uh, Suburbanite can come out at 5 or 6 in the morning and get the old paper. Boy, have times changed. I I also think, Bonnie, I don't know if they have as much discretionary income, but a lot of them are staying at home with their parents so they can able, Ah. they're able to afford doing things that we normally wouldn't do. Aha. Uh-huh. There's the old uh, don't move out after college, stay home with mom and dad yes. and save money on rent and mortgages. It used to be very in fashion and then it was very out of fashion. Oh my god, you're 26 and you're still living at home with your parents. What's wrong with you? Why didn't it's your parents kick you out? And now it's wow, we can start a multi-gazillion dollar business by living at home with Correct. mom and dad and blogging 20 20- <laughs> Damn, the times are changing. Very interesting. Uh, you know what? We, we don't have that much time left, about 11 minutes, and it's time for us to look ahead to 2016. So rather than giving you each 60 seconds to give your predictions, I'm going to give you each about two minutes to tell what do you see coming down the pike for specifically entrepreneurs and more specifically women entrepreneurs in 2016 in the expanded crystal ball section of our show. So Jane Westman, I'm going to circle all the way back around the table to you, my friend, and ask you... What do you say to women entrepreneurs and the men who are listening around the world uh, in terms of what they can expect or what they should be doing to advance or start their business this year? Go ahead, Jane Westman. Two minutes. Okay. Well, well, I, I predict that there are going to be many more successful women entrepreneurs than ever before. And I, and I think I touched on some of the reasons. One is that the support systems for women entrepreneurs are are growing incredibly and they're providing excellent services and any woman who's starting a business or wants to build her business needs to investigate the sources of help that are out there for them and i think sandy you you would definitely agree with that uh based on your own experiences correct correct yeah um the other thing is is when I, when I look at what's going on around the world, and I look at, like, Angela Merkel being on the, the person of the year on Time magazine, or even the fact that Hillary Clinton will probably be nominated, it will be the Democratic uh, nominee for president. It's, it's just incredible. Or someone like, take Mary uh, Barra, who's, who's the head of GM. I mean, mm-hmm. she has shown that a woman can run a global company and make it really successful. So I think that the, what's happening is we have so many more role models than we've ever had that we, have, that we have a way that we're starting to see that women can do business in their own way, and they don't have to imitate men. They don't have to try to have the characteristics of men uh, to, to be successful entrepreneurs. And one of the other trends that's happening is, in, in general, companies are becoming more collegial, and they're flattening out, and they're less siloed, and less, um, there's a, the hierarchy is breaking. And women tend to do very, very well in running businesses like that or being part of businesses like that that are very team-oriented um, and in which people are really there to help each other. So I think that, that um, with the uh, advances in technology and with the fact that women are getting uh, are, 
are much better at technology than they ever used to be. Um, and, and I think that's really showing up with the millennials and the, and the younger people, this whole idea that women don't have to be afraid of technology. As, as women entrepreneurs take advantage of all the opportunities of marketing and growing their businesses and running their businesses, whether it's through, um, you know, great uh, accounting software or, or um, marketing software, I... Uh, combined with the the role models that we have out there of successful women, um, and and combined with the support that women women can get, I think 2016 is going to be a real tipping point for women entrepreneurs and and for them to really raise the, their level of success. Thank you, Jane. I love the optimism and the energy. And thank you. By the way, 20 years with the book. You're going to write an update anytime soon. Uh, uh, you know, right now I'm actually focusing all my writing on writing about um, uh, book marketing and um, um, public relations because so many people are writing their own books and using books to market their businesses and promote oh, their yeah. businesses. And there's so much confusion out there that almost oh, yeah. all my writing now is about the, uh, on those topics. Okay. Thank you, Jane. And thank you. And keep sending me interesting authors for my Monday Night Read My Lips radio show. Very appreciative to you and Felicia and your, your team. Thank you so much. Linda Hamilton, two minutes predictions for 2016 women entrepreneurs. What do you see? Well, I think we talked quite a bit about technology. Each one of us mentioned it today. And mm-hmm. companies that plan tend to grow 30% faster. So you know, companies that Sandy mentioned, you know, getting past 50 thousand dollars in gross revenues need to make sure that they are using technology to help them grow. There's a lot of great cloud-based accounting software out there, Zero, QuickBooks Online, and others. There's so many different planning tools that you can link right to your accounting systems, like, uh, such as LivePlan or um, Finograph, Fathom, that can help you do this. And planning also helps newly formed businesses. There's 60% more likely to succeed in their first year if they have a plan and if they set goals and and track against that. So my recommendation is to look at the technology that's out there and see what can work with your accounting system as well to provide you quick and easily accessible data to be able to make smarter businesses. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Good advice, Linda Hamilton. Thank you. Coming from somebody who knows. Deanna Curry, we're turning to you now. What do you see coming down the pike in 2016? Any pitfalls along with the opportunities? I can give you about two minutes. Go ahead, Deanna. Okay. Well, I do see that because of all these role models that people, that women are more and more stepping into their own power. And that, I think, is a very critical thing. And I see that happening as the year progresses and going forward. And a lot of the people that are now starting their own businesses are actually the children of women business owners. And so the millennials, and they're, they don't have the same ideas and the same corporate structure. They're not coming from that. So it's sort of broken the mold. And so I see 2016 as being a fairly, you know, potentially transitional, even more transitional year uh, in, in terms of encouraging women to start their own business. There's, there's a huge emphasis on entrepreneurial businesses, as we all know. And women uh, can start one as easily and as a man, obviously. Um, the other thing that this does allow a woman to do is to have her own, if she can uh, create a good plan for herself, she can also make personal life her uh, priority. And so I've been able to have my family life, my personal life uh, be 
not, I, wanna, I don't want to say it was a perfect balance because there's no way of doing that, but at least it's been uh, something that I've been able to work to um, have. I've been able to have a family and so forth because some of the technology and um, not having to work in an office all the time has given me that, and I think that will only grow. And in, but in terms of pitfalls, and I think that's what you asked about, I think mm-hmm. that a lot of women in particular like to try to, especially just historically the mothers were managing the house and so forth, there have been, um, you know, been, uh, sort of a control thing where women like to do everything they can. And they, I find that women in general have a difficult time uh, delegating and having other people do things, especially if they're perfectionists, which I am and a lot of people I know are. But that's a critical thing that people have to, that women and men have to get past in order to allow their businesses to grow. Otherwise, you keep a lid on your growth in your business. But um, I think those are lessons that will be learned as more and more women get into the business world and um, have their own businesses. Thank you very much. I think that goes to our one of the favorite phrases last year, fail fast, fail often, but just get up, dust yourself off, and Try again. Sandy Webster, I'm ready for you. I've got exactly two minutes for your predictions. I know you have a lot to say, so go ahead, Sandy. Actually, we'll just pick up where Deanna left off and a couple of other people talking about work-life balance. And I would like to hear the the phrase work-life balance said a lot less in 2016. Because people are starting to recognize that there is no such thing as a, as a perfect balance. Mm-hmm. You're going to be doing one thing, whether it's your business, and you might stop and start doing something in your life, the, the personal part of your life. But we tend to think of it as an integrated life instead of trying to to achieve this perfect balance, which never happens, and someone is always disappointed because of that. And again, what Deanna said about millennials or young people, you know, they're growing up seeing their parents or their female parents with businesses. They're women business owners who are now setting an example for them. And they're also realizing that their parent didn't have a work-life balance, but they still managed to successfully grow a business and raise them. So they're coming into 2016 with a different mindset. They're willing to work longer. They're willing to work harder. And frankly, they're young enough to do that. And it's almost not even uh, second nature to them. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. (laughs) I see them working like I work, and, and people think I'm a workaholic. But they don't mind sending emails late at night. They don't think anything if you respond to an email late at night because it's just part of their life. And they have the technology to do it because they have their phones. They sleep with their phones. And that's part of our regular work life now is to have phones that are smartphones and you can answer from anywhere, respond from anywhere. And so... I want to hear work-life balance a lot less in the coming year. Maybe create a new phrase 
All right, Sandy, we're going to get you back on the show, and you're going to give us some candidates for that new phrase. Let's <laughs> let's plan on that. You just got yourself a new job like you don't have enough. By the way, I, I heard on an SAP HR uh, seminar about a year ago that we were abandoning the idea of work-life balance, and we were turning it into work-life integration, ah. meaning you, you know it's not going to balance, but you can certainly try to figure out how to put the two yes. together and survive. You like that? Yes, I love it. Good. Okay. Thank you, Jane Westman. Thank you, Linda A. Hamilton, CPA. Thank you, Deanna Corey. Thank you, Sandy Webster. It's been a very enlightening hour talking about success secrets for entrepreneurial women looking back and ahead. And I have a quick prediction here. We've got a packed house in terms of new series and renewal starting soon here on Game Changers Radio. Uh, we're going to be having, let's see, a new show called The Future of the Future with Game Changers. We have one called The Future of Cars with Game Changers. You don't want to miss that one. We have a very serious a show called Extended Supply Chain of the Future with Game Changers, which will interest a certain niche of listeners around the world. We're coming back with another season of Social Selling with Game Changers. We're coming back with Business Network Innovation with Game Changers. Financial Excellence with Game Changers is coming back for Season 5. And we have a new show called Digital Industries Changing the Game, along with here, Coffee Break, of course. I'll be here every Wednesday with another live show. Thank you to Justin at World Talk Radio for getting us on the air and keeping us on the air and uh, dealing with my new intro. Appreciate that. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. It's going to be a great year for entrepreneurs of all stripes in 2016. I can tell you that. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a great one. Talk to you tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern, live here on the Business Channel on a new edition of The Future of Business with Game Changers. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.